Welcome in to another edition of New Track Record. Caleb Hatch and Justin Kinney with you. Hello, Justin. Hello, Mr. Hatch. How we doing? Good. Are you ready to go north of the border this week? Yes, north of the border and peacock only this weekend. Uh, Something everyone's looking for. Excitement of peacock only races. Everyone is thrilled for the peacock only weekend. We have plenty to dive into. Of course, we'll preview the Honda Indy Toronto coming up this weekend at Exhibition Place on the streets of Toronto, plus the Indianapolis Motor Speedway Museum set to undergo a massive, major overhaul that's been, well, I'd say badly needed for years, but this is a very exciting project. We'll get to that, plus some silly season news, a potential new team that could join the sport, so plenty to dive into, plus we'll start with Alex Pillow because... There is some interesting movement in F1 this week that absolutely Hmm. has an impact on Pelot and his future as far as trying to get to F1. So it came down that Nick DeVries is out at Alpha Tauri and Daniel Ricciardo is in for the rest of the season. Now, Ricciardo's been a reserve guy for Red Bull for this season. Obviously, his show on ESPN here in the U.S. as far as kind of like a Peyton Manning uh, Manning Brothers like show, but for F1 races is on hold. Uh, but the, the next one isn't until Coda, so they can at least put together a plan. But he is in. He'll have an opportunity to prove himself against Yuki Sonoda in the Alpha Tower seat. Look, let's be honest. First off, that is not a good ride right now. <laughs> not at all. I mean, it's the team that's in 10th in the constructor standings. They're terrible. And Nick DeVries just wasn't getting it done, even by Alpha Tauri standards. But what does that do for that seat for next year? Because that was discussed as maybe one of the open seats for Alex Pillow. So is Daniel Ricciardo a long-term Alpha Tauri driver? Is it just for the remainder of the season? Who's to know at this point? And you look at it, you know, Ricciardo against... Sonoda, it will be interesting to see how they stack up versus each other this season. I don't believe Daniel Ricardo is a long-term option, though, at AlphaTauri or, or whatever they're going to be called next year because they're rebranding the name again uh, for next season. Yeah, who knows for sure? I mean, you're convinced that Sergio Perez will be out, so could Daniel Ricardo <sighs> step into that spot? Could it be somebody else? Not sure, but... It muddies the waters for Alex Pillow. It doesn't eliminate the possibility, but it's uh, it's interesting as we're getting now into the thick of the F1 silly season now where they don't wait till the end of the season to make moves. They now have Nick DeVries, Nick DeVries had all of 10 races with Alpha Tauri before it was determined. Nope, not good enough. Yeah, it's it's. It, I would say I'm not that shocked just because that's how they do it with driver. They make it before you'd expect every time when it comes to Red Bull and Alpha Tauri and the way they make it work. So um, this is a fascinating move. We'll see. And the impact on Pillow, obviously, what does it mean in the short term? Not a whole lot. Alex Pillow, still the reserve driver, will be joining McLaren at the end of the year for the remaining Formula 1 races after the IndyCar season. That from Zach Brown. Now, Joe Seward in his green notebook who, who covers F1, I think where this all kind of started up, um, the word is that Dr. Helmut Marco, who's you know in charge of those decisions with Alpha Tauri, likes the look of the Spaniard Alex Pillow and might offer him a seat at Alpha Tauri when the IndyCar season ends in September. 
got to remember it's tricky as far as close contract and how things play out. But that clause, which is what end of July, right before the summer break, as far as negotiating window, as far as the F1 deal puts them in an impossible spot because teams have a race weekend, then they'll be on break and, and Plo probably won't be able to get out of anything up until after the IndyCar season to begin with. I think there's a way to figure it out if they need to. Alex Polo is the most coveted free agent in the IndyCar paddock. Everybody presumes he's going to Errol McLaren. And that will probably be the play if Formula One doesn't come about. But McLaren has the option to wait. Because let's say this. If Alex Polo eventually signs with, with McLaren, then Felix Rosenquist is effectively out. If he doesn't, then Felix Rosenquist is back. And Felix Rosenquist is probably going to wait to see if that's an option as well. So, and also if, if there, there would be conversations, it wouldn't wait until September for, for Alpha Tauri or Helmut Marco, whoever to reach out to, to Alex Blow and at least start gauging interest and see if it's a possibility they can have a, have a, have a handshake agreement in August and say, we'll sign this in the end of September. So, I don't know if the timeline affects it very much. It may back up silly season for IndyCar, but Alex Pillow has his sights set on Formula One, and he's going to give that every and any option he possibly can to potentially make it there. And you would have to think, with the way things are going for Sergio Perez at Red Bull, that an obvious move would be Daniel Ricciardo, if he shows well the second half of the, the F1 season, um has an opportunity to move back into a Red Bull seat and be the number two to Max Verstappen as the, the clear number one. It's just weird that is Daniel Ricciardo the best you can do? I know he's a popular driver, but... Um, he's not going to be competing for wins. And maybe that's the reason why they want him. Maybe that's mm-hmm. why Max would want him. Sergio was close, and then he's just completely fallen off a cliff in qualifying in right. recent races. So I don't know what they want with that second car. Max probably just wants somebody that's going to run second to him every race um daniel ricardo i feel like maybe has more to give so i don't know there's overtures talks about sam's um uh, sean leclerc and lando norris what their does their contractual obligations look like is there some sort of clause to get them out of it there's a lot to determine in formula one and for once it directly impacts the silly season in indycar with alex below so we'll see how this plays out but I would say, if anything, this helps Alex Blow's chances. I would, I would agree because there was discussion about Nick DeVries. Does he get a second year and to try to prove himself with Alpha Tauri? And there were people that thought, yeah, he'll he'll get a second year, but no, he didn't even get half a year with Alpha Tauri. And I think that's if you're Alex Blow, you have to think that you're that much closer to having an opportunity if. If the things move the way they do, look, I, I don't think Daniel Ricardo is going to be at Alpha Towery next year. I, I'd be very surprised. With that said, I know the goal is to get into Formula One, but man, that's a tough seat right now in terms of competition in Formula One. But, and it's funny, you go back, Smash Day. this is the same, essentially the same seat he was in, what, 15 years ago? Right. And he lasted a year and a half, basically. Yeah. But Alex Pillow has a sight set on it. I don't think it matters the seat and how competitive or uncompetitive it is. I think that's uh, that's Alex Pillow's goal is to get there and then make the best of it once you do get there. And if it's an Alpha Tauri seat, then so be it. 
So that's the latest on below F1. And obviously that will continue to play out and continue to have an impact on IndyCar. Meanwhile, in IndyCar, a new driver this weekend, Tom Blomquist making his IndyCar debut. Simon Paginot is still out after undergoing further medical evaluations. Still recovered, not cleared to race. Says he feels good. Uh, just not enough time to recover and, and reports out there that his concussion-like symptoms is preventing him from participating this weekend. And after the crash that he had, I, I mean, it's not a surprise. You, you just wonder, you know, will he return to the car this season? I think he will, but there's at least a, a hint of doubt. So best of luck to Simon in his recovery first off. Yeah, it just... Probably some one hell of a concussion, probably for Simon Pagno, and that's why he's still not cleared. But Tom Blomkiss gets gets the start, and a guy that a lot of people have considered the front runner for one of those two seats in Meyer Shank to open up. This is a good introductory type uh, venture for Blomquist and the team, as in all likelihood, these two entities are together in a full time capacity. Next year, um, Blomquist, of course, been with uh, competing in IMSA and WEC as well. Did a couple years of Formula E back in the day. So he has some open wheel experience, albeit electric cars. So he's not totally foreign to him, but we'll see how it goes this weekend for a guy that is up there in age. He'll turn 30. This year, later this year, but a guy that um, seems to be on the short track to full-time IndyCar competition, and this will be a good introduction for him at Toronto. At least for him, he he has an IndyCar test day at Sebring, so that's like the the comparison as far as a street circuit. Yeah. But, I mean, this is going to be really tough. Uh, and, and he knows that, right? This is a tough debut. Uh, limited low expe- testing. Low expectations, Street circuit. Very, very tough. Uh, if he can qualify you know, better than last, I think I'll be impressed. It's all about learning. You know, bar, barring crashes yeah, and things like that. All about learning and bringing the car home in one piece, I think would be the gold for, for Tom Blomquist this weekend. So the thing is, though, it's not like the expectations have been through the roof for that car anyway. So for Blomquist... Hitting the ground running, at least now you won't be going into St. Pete next year as your first IndyCar race. You'll kind of shaken those nerves off and gotten introduced a little bit this weekend. We'll see how it goes. He's got potential, and that's why Meyer Schenk has eyed him for a 2024 seat. He'll uh, have his first opportunity to showcase that potential this weekend. Meanwhile, some other silly season notes to get to. This is not a surprise. Devlin Francesco will not be back with... Andretti Autosport next year. We, we kind of saw this coming, right? And Andretti says they're going to look on restructuring their IndyCar program for 2024. Marshall Pruitt reporting that they want to go after drivers and, and hiring drivers and, and no pay drivers as far as the makeup, which is a shift because that's what they've done for several years now. I mean, you go back to what, 2017 is the last time they just hired four guys. Because you had Zach Veach, you had James Hinchcliffe for a year, you've had Devlin DeFrancesco, so you're going back several seasons yeah. with their driver lineup. 
And that year it was Sato, so you could even argue that. Yeah, at least it Marco, had some Marco, RHR, and, and Rossi. So, and then in 16, Munoz, Marco, Hunter Ray, and Rossi. So I guess that's, I guess technically the last year they truly had four seats. I think when you look at business-wise for Andretti, they're in a good enough spot that they don't, they, they have enough sponsors in-house to not have to take a significant amount of money to run a car. And that's a good place to be. And it can help you competitively. And it doesn't handcuff you into maybe signing somebody that you otherwise wouldn't because they bring money. And that can help your entire organization. So it's good to see financially Andretti in a spot where they can kind of get rid of that. You wish teams like maybe Chip Ganassi Racing would figure that out. (laughs) Right? You know what's funny? Andretti always gets a a lot of flack for having the, the... you know, ride buyer, so to speak, in the fourth car. But I feel like uh, Chip Ganassi Racing, they get a pass. Right. And they? and they have essentially, like, what, one and a half? I mean, ride buyers, Yuli? I mean, the Pelot seat and the Dixon seat are fully paid for. Erickson, at the beginning, yes, he was a ride buyer, but it, on talent, he's clearly not. And he's made that very clear. In fact, Marcus Erickson, a, a possibility for Andretti's number 29 car, uh, mentioned by Marshall Pruitt of Racer.com. Obviously, plenty of other drivers to consider. Colton Herta, Kyle Kirkwood, locked in on multi-year deals. Roman Grosjean, I mean, he's got to perform the second half of the season to be able to retain that seat. Uh, Yeah, I think even with conversations now, talking about who's in those seats, and Grosjean a question now. So, you better get it in gear, second half of the year. So I, w- I would think that would be a, a, a landing spot for Erickson, Felix Rosenquist. If he's not back with McLaren, that's a possibility as well. Do they go after a David Malukas? I mean, he, he is a guy who is an interesting interesting candidate for, for any of these seats because, yes, he brings a lot of money, but also he's not viewed as a guy who's just bringing a check. Yeah. It, just... It's kind of in between. For me, does is David Malukas really a serious upgrade at, at driver? I, I know he's better than Devlin DeFrancesco. I just don't look at David Malukas, and and maybe I'll end up being turned out turned wrong. Lord knows it happens a lot. Is a guy that is really going to be buoyed by going to a better team? Is he a dude that okay? He's he's done what he can with a lesser team, but he deserves a better team. I just don't know if I sit there with David Malukas, or is it driven by financials? With HMD, like, like, could he end up at, say, Ray Hall, or, yeah. you know, because we think Jack Harvey is going to be out of a seat there, right? Maybe that's a natural progression for him, as opposed to going to Andretti. I know, but, it just it, it seems like an interesting question mark as far as he's another guy that we know is going to be on the move. Um, I would Grosjean, say Cal Mylot would be more coveted by yes, Andretti I, than I, David I would think, but that's interesting. You know, is. Malukas go to Ganassi simply because he does bring the funding and would put you in a competitive spot, yeah. you know, to, to replace, you know, say Marcus Erickson is gone and then whatever they do with that fourth car, if it is indeed Kevin Simpson, Marcus Armstrong also looking for a ride for next year. He's been in contact with several teams that from Marshall Pruitt as well. And that's another one where, you know, you hope he gets hired because he's not a guy who's bringing a big budget. In fact, he's not really bringing anything. He wants to continue with Chip Ganassi Racing, but he's unsigned beyond this year. 
yeah, so a lot's going to go into who's bringing money, who's not bringing money, who has to bring money, who doesn't have to bring money. And Dreddy, at least, is in a position where they're financially in a spot where no one has to necessarily bring money. It's nice, but they can actually have four paid drivers for the first time in quite some time. So a lot of things at play. And again, a lot of this depends on what Alex Blow does. I think yep. he's the he and Marcus Erickson are 1A and 1B. Well, not necessarily Alex Pillow. He's either going to McLaren or he's going to be in Formula One. He's not going anywhere else. Yes. So I don't know if that's that's uh, the 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 domino. I guess now I guess it holds up the Felix Rosenquist element of it because he could just go back to McLaren if it doesn't work out for Alex Pillow there. But I don't know if Alex Pillow's the catalyst because you're he's going to be at either one team or not in the sport. True, so it's it's limiting his options. But I do think what both those drivers do, I mean, that sets the tone for silly season. And until we have movement with one of those two, I don't think it necessarily has to be both, but I think one of those two will have a delay. Yeah, I think Felix Rosenquist is kind of the trigger because although he has to wait for Alex Pillow, so I guess, yeah, it kind of does tie into Pillow, but where Felix goes. Meanwhile, Devlin Francesco again, who's going to be out of an Andretti Autosport seat, still looking to continue an IndyCar and I'm sure he will have suitors. Look, he, he brings a sizable budget. You've seen a little bit of improvement. Uh, he is coming off. I think is his best finish of the season, a 12th at mid Ohio a couple weeks ago. So is he a guy who is a candidate for a coin seat? For example, well, coin could be looking for one or two new drivers. And if you bring money, he likes you. So yeah, could be an opportunity there. You know, we were, we were talking the other day about, you know, teams and who's on the shakiest ground between Coin, Foyt, and Eddie Carpenter Racing. Yes. And, you know, I would go with Coin because you're going to see perhaps a complete turnover again and a, a team that went from having, you know, a veteran driver for a long time. And then and now this year you have two really young guys, a rookie, and then a second year guy. And then they've taken a clear step back. Yeah, I think when we look at, uh, we'll get to it a little bit later in the podcast about additional team teams joining the series and already having 27 cars, is at some point either teams are going to start downsizing cars or there's teams that are going to go away. And so for Coin, it's very much a shoestring operation and you need money. And the good thing is, I guess there's always at least a couple drivers out there that bring money. Unfortunately, it doesn't always match up with talent. And that's, I think, something that 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 coin continue, continues to fight to a certain extent. Foyt, um, although they've got an infusion of cash, which has helped, is you're taking flyers on guys not because of race acumen, but because they're bringing money. And I, I don't to, think that's a, that's a pathway to success, consistent success. I have to correct myself. So Devlin D. Francesco, third best finish of the season at Mid Ohio. He was twelfth at Detroit, thirteenth. Uh, in the Indy 500. How did I miss that he was 13th in the Indy 500? Mm. That's uh, surprising, but no top 10s. A, a good guy who's 21st in points, tied with Elio Castroneves. So, obviously, trying to hold on to that leader circle money for the Andretti team. Trying to hold on. We'll see if he can do it. And, and, and you, you know, you talk about David Malukas. He is 19th or worse for, what, a half dozen races and then a sixth at Mid-Ohio. So, it was a huge bounce back for him. 
second half of the season is kind of going to determine how he fares as far as what team he ends up with next year. Yeah, I think that's going to be uh, very interesting to watch. But Devlin Dev- DeFrancesco, is, is if he does land another ride, isn't it going to be because of his racing acumen? It's going to be because he brings money. And I, I think, again, like I said, I'd be very surprised if he's not on the grid next year. Really? Yes. Guess we'll see. We shall see. Um, but Racer reporting at least three teams express an interest in DeFrancesco for 2024. So what would those three teams be? I think coin would be one, right? Correct. Um, Ed Carpenter Racing? Maybe another? Probably. Yeah, I don't think Ryan Hunter Ray is a long-term solution there. And then after that, Hunkos? Yeah, there's Callum Eilat on the move. Probably. So yeah, I would agree there. Uh, I, those are the teams I, I'd be surprised. I mean, obviously he's not going to return to Andretti. Penske's full. Ganassi, you know, is Ganassi an option? Uh, I mean, seriously. It's going to have a, at least you know, one Mc, spot Mc, open, McLaren, maybe two. McLaren's going to be full. Um, Ray Hall, I, I'd be surprised. And then I guess Meyer Shank could maybe be an option. Yeah. It just depends on, you know, where their funding stands for 2024. But I, I would be surprised if you're going to bring in Blomquist. I think you want someone who's oh, very experienced to pair with him. I mean, would you be surprised if Ryan Hunter Ray's at Meyer Shank next year? That's an interesting possibility. I, I mean, you're looking at a, a veteran driver, but again, does that really... I think if you're going to pair somebody that's completely inexperienced in Tom Blomquist, you need an experienced person. with. But, then, but then with that argument, like, yes, we expect Elio to be Indy 500 only, but then right. do, you, do you just keep Simon and, and eh. you know? I don't know. Right now, is Ryan hunter Ray a better driver than Simon Pagno? I think that's open to interpretation. Mm-hmm. This is the thing. You know what you're getting with Simon. Maybe you don't really know what you get with RHR over the course of a season. So I don't know. Maybe you hold on to Simon. I don't think Simon's the worst thing out there. I, I think the majority of the issues for Meyer Shank are outside the cockpit. The majority. Now, they don't put themselves in the best positions either. I think there's some blame for the drivers, but I think this is a situation where you're looking at the entire team and mm, not just Where you're drivers. looking at personnel yeah. and you know maybe need to shuffle crew and engineers and things like that in management. Right. I, I, I think of the two, I think Elio is clearly past his prime for a season, but I don't know if Simon Pagino necessarily is. Pagino so far in the season, 25th in points, obviously did miss uh, the mid-Ohio race, will miss Toronto this weekend, best finish of 13th on the year. And, you know, talking about new teams entering the fold, and this one, I I think, kind of came out of left field for me, but it makes sense, and that is Pratt Miller Engineering interested in putting together an IndyCar team. So they have some connections to open wheel. So they're based in Michigan. Uh, They've run the factory Corvette program since its inception in the late nineties. And this from Marshall Pruitt. Uh, They're, they're working on the the business and technical side. They even helped with the aero kit designs for Chevy in that era. So they've been involved uh, since GM returned to open wheel in 2012. Uh, I don't understand the entire 
connection with not so they were joined at the hip with Chevy with their Corvette program and now they're not so they're kind of more independent than they mm-hmm. used to be yes so that kind of opens up opportunities for Pratt Miller and sounds like eyeing maybe 25 or 26 to join the series yes uh, they're they want to be a full-time entrant in 25 or 26 obviously that will be with new regulations so I mean, ideally, you you sign up next year with the hybrids, but that's a quick timeline. Yeah, so I, yeah, I, I don't understand. Think that's happening. But I mean, here's the thing: if you're going to join the series, you need to have. If you're going to be serious about it, you need to either do the 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 methodical approach like Shank did, right. or start right out with two full time entries. Yeah, I think this is a a it's a power team in motorsports, so it's not a startup. It's the, it's not find trying to find its way. It'll be finding its way in open wheel, but this is an established team in motorsport, which I think helps. But what do you do? Do you do you look at twenty five and say maybe we're going to do four to six races and then jump in the deep end in twenty six, or do you jump in right away with a full season in say twenty five? So I think those are good questions, but I think. You you feel like Pratt Miller ahead of the curve, so to speak, and that it's not a operation that's just finding its footing. Or or IndyCar is going to be the biggest thing it's competed in. Like it's competed in a lot of things, and it's been around for a long time. It's a professional organization, all that good stuff. So maybe they're more successful out of the gate than maybe some other teams. Well, and and you look at the grid. I mean, you have twenty seven full time cars. You know, could we see twenty eight next year? Um, another team interested in joining and what does this mean as far as like at some point you're maxed out, right? Right. I think that's a discussion we had. Like HMD isn't going to do anything for next year. Does it do anything for 25? You're at 27 cars. When is too, when is too many? And I I think you're, you're approaching that when you get closer to 30. Yeah. It's just how many is too many? And does that then mean we see cars or teams downsize a little bit or do we see teams go away? I don't know. But when you, when you inch towards 30, you're in the realm of too many cars. I know people out there will say, well, well, who's to say what's too many cars? I'm saying in terms of, of grids, in terms of, you know, garage space and all that stuff at some places in terms of just cars on track, Look how difficult it is with 27 cars at some of these tracks during qualifying. Well, that's something they've talked about for Toronto and Mid-Ohio, you know, going into the season now. They made it work for Mid-Ohio. They're going to make it work for Toronto, but that that was an off-season topic last off-season. Yeah, and so how, especially places like Toronto where you don't have much room to expand and then you look at these street courses and road courses and everybody's constantly complaining about space on track. At some point, if you do continue to add cars, you need to shake up the qualifying format because if you're going to dictate it by fastest laps, you need to be able to allow these drivers to find clean laps, clean space on track. Even when you split it into two, do you have to start splitting it into three groups to start off? Who knows? But I think logistically... It just creates more and more problems as much as some people love to see bigger and bigger and bigger grids. I'm great for anything in the 20s. Mid-20s um, is, I think, perfect. I think 25, 26 cars is is more than enough. But you inch closer to 30, there's just there's too many cars. 
and, and unless we're talking about 30 cars at Michigan or Pocono, right. you know, like on a big oval. Yeah, Texas, or even it Texas, works fine. That's fine. But beyond that, it, it's really difficult. Just the, the racing, I think, um, I think hurts the more you add. If, if something happens in the midfield on lap one of, uh, of a street course or a road course, when you have 23 cars, it doesn't take as many out as you would 30 cars. And I think logistically is a big problem. And I also think competitiveness too, and leader circle too, if that's not going to expand, because what does it cover? The top 22, 23? Top 20, I believe. Top 20? And it's just under, uh, just under a million. It used to be, Oof. what, 1.2, and now we're at like 910,000. And I get it. The series commercially is in a lot better spot, uh, especially compared to 2020, obviously, um, but even compared to 2019. Yeah. So when you look at that, is it's a big deal. So overall, I think there's a lot of, lot of different issues with, with increased car counts. There's bigger problems, but this used to be a problem for not enough cars. Now I think we're reaching a point where potentially there's too many cars and that's just how it is. And I think I'm surprised that the leader circle hasn't expanded already, at least to cover more cars. Do you go back up to say, 22 and and make that so you're you're tight so i would go to uh, so it, okay okay it is 22 so my apologies okay. it is 22 but do you go you know up to 24 and, and i know they took some of the money from that from the leader circle for the marketing that- for marketing and we've we've seen some some improvement there but it's at some point you have to give the entries battling for that top 22 because remember the fourth ganassi can't get get uh, a spot the fourth andretti was grandfathered in right but teams adding fourth entries aren't eligible so i mean at some point you got to find a way to get more incentive and it's really tight for that top 22 i mean you look at teams outside of it i mean coins outside of it with the 51 the 55 of foyt's outside of it the number 30 ray hall with, with jack harvey's out of it Augustine Canapino's 24th, the 78 car, the 60 is out of it. And then Devlin Francesco, the 29 entry for Andretti is, is in 22nd. And there's a six point difference between 22nd and 23rd. So it's very tight. And traditionally, those are the teams and the efforts that need the extra income. And so look, if you're going to subsidize the series, you need to subsidize it, maybe not fully, but the majority of it. And unfortunately, some some teams that that need it are being left out. I'm surprised it hasn't increased from 22. Always easy for us to say how other people should yeah, spend their so money. Yeah, it's so easy to say how people <laughs> should spend their money. It's easy for us to say. All right, so that's a look at some of the silly season movement and notes. And then we, we shift to Toronto. And before we get into previewing the race, this is an event uh, IndyCar Deep Throat telling me that they're having massive ticket sales for this. There's a lot of buzz and not just people coming from Canada, but people coming from the U S to this event. And then Marshall Pruitt basically confirming that uh, on racer.com. As far as this event, they're looking at an extension, trying to extend it out. And that perhaps could be announced uh, this season as far as Toronto and in a long-term extension. So green savory race promotions, which promotes Toronto, Portland, they own Mid-Ohio, and then they also promote St. Pete. So one of the major promoters in the series, um, 
trying to work on an extension. Ticket sales are strong. Should be their biggest crowd in quite some time. Ticket sales up over last year, and last year had a big crowd as well. Yeah, it was a record crowd last year, and so great to see because Toronto, when we looked at it and there was issues around Exhibition Place and they continue construction all around that and infrastructure-wise, does the, the does the race still fit and all that stuff, and they've made it work, and Green Savory have done a great job figuring all that stuff out. Fans have come out. It's uh, it's a real treat to go up to, to Canada once a year. You wish they could go twice, but... The fans have turned out, and it's a still popular event. They've figured out how to to run it with 27 cars, and who knows if they can figure out how to run it with 29 or something in a couple of years. But uh, it's great to see, particularly when we look at that race. As, oh, man, it's a peacock race. It's kind of a throwaway race, but it's anything but north of the border. All right, so taking a look at some changes on the spotter guide this weekend, and I think the biggest change, Alex Pillow, new sponsor, the number 10 Journey Rewards, and that's Journey J. O-U-R-N-I-E, and it's basically a gas station rewards program uh, for Chevron in British Columbia and Alberta, Ultramar, Fast Gas, Pioneer, and On the Run. So basically for Canadian people understand what that what that's yep. all about. So um, that's new. Uh, also, New Garden in the Snap-on car, McLaughlin in the Gallagher car, other changes, Rosenquist in the Smart Stop self-storage car. Uh, we'll have... Marcus Armstrong back in the green Ridgeline car. Um, let's see other changes here. We have Devlin D. Francesco in the bit by car, Jack Harvey in the hub insurance car, Christian Lungard back with the green and black, the vivid clear RX machine. And that does it for the changes. Taking a look at the weekend schedule. So practice session one, these are all times Eastern again, Peacock IndyCar live for international uh, who, who don't have access to a streaming platform, Sirius XM and IndyCar Radio, 3 to 4.15 Eastern, Friday afternoon. Practice 2 on Saturday, 10.35 to 11.35 a.m. Eastern. Qualifying 2.50 to 4.20 in the afternoon that Saturday. And then the warm-up, 10.15 to 10.45 in the morning Sunday. And then the race coverage on Peacock, 1.30 to 4 Eastern. Again, only on Peacock. No USA, no NBC. Uh, you can you can do the free trial, I believe. Limited commercial interruption. Um, if you need a subscription, they had a deal. I have it for like ninety nine cents a month for a year. Just pay the money um, and watch the race for five dollars. You can watch every session of the weekend. And, and believe me, the Peacock maybe you know two years ago didn't have as much to watch as far as content wise. They've improved that quite a bit. Yeah, and, and just think, uh, absolutely come, come here in the U.S in the fall with big 10 football, then big 10 basketball. That'll also be on Peacock. So yep. That'll Just help. Quit your complaining. Anybody complains to Peacock, take those complaints elsewhere. Again, limited commercial interruption. I think last year they had one commercial break during the race. And that was, I think during a yellow to put it in perspective. Yeah. Yep. 85 lap race. Taking a look at, uh, our race weekend preview courtesy of Chad 200. On Twitter, three key stats, power, three wins, two poles, five podiums, 162 laps led. Last four finishes, though, 21st, 18th, 18th, and 15th. Mm. Last three races, one from the front row, so keep that in mind. Scott Dixon, four wins, 10 top fives, 10 straight top tens, 240 laps led. Last three finishes here, first, second, and first. Is so, this the weekend Dixon gets his first win? Well, I think you year? look at both of those guys. You look at Dixon and Will Power. Can one of them... Uh, 
propel themselves to their first win of the season. You know who I'm picking, but if you were looking at one of those two guys have had previous success and winless on the season, they wouldn't be bad bets either entering the weekend. And Will Power is what? Still yet? Is this true? He's still yet, yet to, be to on make it. No, yet to qualify for a Firestone Fast Six. Is that right? I think so. On the season, which is just absurd. I do believe. So I know you're picking Alex below. Yeah. I'm getting tired of it, to be honest. Um, uh, tired of me or tired of Alex below? Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm going to go with, man, you got to qualify well, apparently. Now, street course races, though, it, it, the ultimate wild card. I, to me, Toronto is a race where something crazy is going to happen, right? Okay. I just expect it. <sighs> I'm going to go with Joseph Newgarden. Okay. I'm going to go with thinking outside the box. Yeah. Really, really thinking outside. (laughs) the box. Hey, I'm not picking Pelot. So I don't think Uh, the only guy who's won other than Alex Pelot um, since what? April. Yeah. Because Barber uh, was Scott McLaughlin. And then since it's been Alex Pelot or Newgarden. Yeah. So we're, we're taking the the two drivers that uh, only won races since April. But I expect the unexpected in this just because this is a race where something stupid usually happens and that's what I think is going to happen. So as far as the green flag, 145 approximately. Hope to see some different flavor up front, but I can't go against a guy that's won three straight and four of the last five. It's He's not max yet, but he's making the series feel more and more, at least for the championship, more and more of a formality like formula one. And one other thing I want to get to before we move on the Indianapolis motor speedway, $89 million full scale renovation. They'll be closed November of this year until April of 2025, seven permanent exhibits, a steam learning center with a racing sim, 6,700 square feet of new exhibit space, basically moving the, the museum into the modern era. This is very exciting. They've essentially raised just over half, $46 million of the $89 million. So, one, this is an exciting announcement. Two, uh, best of luck raising the money to make this come to fruition. Well, I think it's definitely going to get an influx of cash after seeing those renderings and stuff like that. It looks absolutely amazing. And I think anybody who's visited the museum in recent years appreciates the history, but also looks at, at it as really needing a significant upgrade and modernization and bringing brought into the 21st century. And that's what we're going to get with this renovation. That's going to take the better part of a year and a half, two years. So yeah, year and a half, hopefully it's open by what the, the may of 25 is what they're projecting. So yes, 500 month of 2025, but really looking forward to it, opening up the basement and making that more of a thing. And just the immersive different exhibits that they're going to have is going to be pretty cool. And the steam element too with for, for kids and all that. So much needed. We, we knew that there was a capital improvement campaign going on. We didn't know how, how well it was going for the Speedway Museum. But um, brighter days ahead for the museum. Nothing will change the footprint. Like it's not adding any, any a wing or anything. Like there's no outside construction. It's all internal and uh, really excited to see it once it's done. Basically, they're utilizing 
the basement space where they store a lot of cars, opening that up, and then they're going to move the storage of the cars off-site, and, and then the restoration you know, bays as well will go off-site, and then that, that area would be open for events as well. So they're, you're just taking advantage of existing space and making it available. Yeah, and I think, too, uh, a big thing, too, is an endowment of sorts for them to continue to procure um, other cars and memorabilia and stuff like that, which is key to continuing to raise the profile of the Speedway Museum. So exciting days ahead for the museum. All right. If you agree or disagree with us, and I'm sure you disagree with quite a bit, please let us know. You can interact with us on social media, IndyCar Podcast, the handle on Twitter, on Instagram. You can email us, newtrackrecordpodcast at gmail.com. Find us on Facebook. Search for New Track Record. Check out the website as well. You can sign up for the email list. It is free to subscribe. You won't miss an episode or any special announcements we have. Uh, You can sign up there. Also on the website, check out our store. We have t-shirts and stickers for sale. And you can support us via Patreon. Patreon.com slash New Track Record. Thanks to Xavier, Rob Stitch, and several others for their support. Uh, You can support us starting at just $1 a month. Yes, one buck. That's all it takes. And uh, as always, listen in for free on your favorite podcasting platforms, Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, so on and so forth, wherever you find your podcasts. Again, all for free. Mailbag time, Justin. And we have plenty of entries to get to this week. So we start off talking about uh, last week. We talked about Australia Uh and that being a possibility as an international race. Uh, mom 2 x over 2002 on Twitter says, uh, actually like the idea of an Australian race, especially since you can't go back to twin ring, um, Otegi in Japan. Yeah, that seems to be, well, the oval is off the table right for now. The road course still a possibility. And then also brought up, what if they drove the roval at Charlotte could be a good double header with the truck series or even NASCAR. Look, if IndyCar wants to pair themselves with, with NASCAR, and I, I feel like this experiment they've done at IMS has been a failure. Yeah. Like, I get it. The IndyCar it has a race and, and it's an afterthought that where people are showing up at the end of the IndyCar race for the Xfinity race on the Saturday. And then obviously Cup on Sunday on the road course. Well, with Cup likely moving back to the Oval in 24, I'm totally okay if IndyCar wants to go out and say, hey, We'll run on, on a Saturday, put us under the lights or, or put us on Saturday afternoon and then have the Xfinity race. I'm okay with that. Just don't do it at IMS. Do it somewhere else right. where it's going to draw more attention. I just don't know. I think, I, I think IndyCar would do it. I just don't think NASCAR would do it, especially at the Charlotte Roval. Yeah. I, I mean, the Charlotte Roval, though, is an interesting option to me. No, I agree. I just don't think NASCAR would be interested yeah. in having IndyCar at one of its two signature... I mean... Charlotte is very much Indianapolis in the sense that it's the epicenter of Cup in terms of where all the teams are and blah, 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 all that stuff. Yeah, I know Daytona is the biggest race, but Charlotte is really kind of the the breadbasket of where Cup is established. Their Hall of Fame is right around Charlotte, isn't it, I want to say? Yes. So all of that goes into very territorial, and I just don't know if if the Roval would be open for IndyCar. Not sure. We shall see. I, I mean, I like it as an option. Joseph I Newgarden did demonstration laps there a few years ago. True. So I just don't know if NASCAR is interested. Uh, they probably are. Uh, this from BK Hickey. Uh, talking about Toto Wolf coming up with... I mean, the excuses these guys come up with <laughs> in F1 as far as not letting Michael Andretti in are absolutely hilarious. 
now saying it creates safety issues at certain tracks. Uh, they don't have the log- logistics for an 11th team. Uh-huh. Um, they had a garage for a fictional team yes. this past weekend at Silverstone. Yes. So, so they could just put a regular 11th team in that garage in that bay. Yeah, it, it's it's comical. Uh, but BK Hickey saying, pretend that Michael Andretti was already long established as an F1 team owner. One of these other now established teams wasn't uh, yet wanted to join the fun. Uh, they still think all these points for not adding a team were valid. Oy vey, this series. Yeah, I, look, Michael did it. Did say, look, it, he understands why they're saying these things. They right. don't want to let him in. It is all about the money. He's like, yeah, if I were in their boat, I'd probably do the same thing too. Right. But it's it should not be fully up to the teams to make that decision. Yeah, the I FIA agree. should have full power yeah, to make that decision. I agree, but unfortunately, the teams hold a lot of power in Formula One and. I quite frankly don't blame the teams for not wanting to give up some of their money. I get it. Now the excuses though that they're coming up with are so comical. Yeah, it, just say money. Just not, say financially. Yes, just be honest. Yeah, it's financial. It's one hundred percent financial. So that's the thing. Beyond the flag, uh, same thing. Saying he's grasping at straws. Talking about Total Wolf every week. A new excuse. Um, we got more on. Where's Alex Blow racing next year? A poll. 44% said McLaren in IndyCar. 13% McLaren F1. Nearly 37% said Alpha Tauri. 6% at Chip Ganassi Racing. R. Surgot said shock the world with his call. that He's going to replace Sergio Perez at Red Bull F1. <laughs> you never know. Poe Chevchenko, Alpha Tauri, or whatever they decide to call it next year. Maybe depending on how much Honda is involved. That's an interesting thing because remember, he is, he is well liked by Honda. True. Um, ran in, in Super Formula in Japan. That's obviously a Honda series. He's been a Honda guy throughout his time in IndyCar. Now McLaren in IndyCar is a, a Chevy team. And you wonder if Honda is going to try to do something to to make sure he doesn't go there. Um, other people, as far as the the news of Daniel Ricciardo replacing DeVries and what this means for Pelo. Uh, a couple of replies here. Tyler underscore Allen saying Pelo will wind up getting shoveled out back at Coin. Uh, I don't think so. Uh, Daguerre. Saying, as far as I understand, Erickson has a deal with Ganassi for next year. I would guess an announcement could be made already this weekend. I'll explain why he recently bought a house in Indianapolis. I don't know. Um, All indications are there's I no mean, deal. But maybe most of is. the teams are based in Indy. Outside yeah. of Penske in Charlotte and right. Coin in Chicagoland area. Pretty much all these teams are in right. the Indy area. Yeah. So I, and I don't Marcus know. Erickson, if he's not with Ganassi, he's going to be with somebody else. Yeah, so he'll so. be with Andretti. Most likely. I, I don't I don't think he's going to go to um, a, a lesser team than that. Uh, Chris in the six says, well, for Alex taking the step, legitimizes Indy and more potential super license points for Pato next year. Gotcha. Mm. I, I mean, here's the thing. I mean, Pelo is set on super license points, but we all know Colton Herta needs to do more to earn more. Um, I just think that's another interesting element of this whole conversation. Uh, Daguerre also saying uh, Pruitt is in Marshall Pruitt. Meanwhile says he'll be very surprised if Erickson doesn't end up at Andretti or Ray Hall Letterman Lane again. We'll soon find out who is right, I guess. Yes, we will. We shall see. Uh, Daguerre also saying uh, let the battle begin. One 100% Swedish quist versus <laughs> one semi-Swedish quist. Uh, Felix Rosenquist, Tom Blomquist. Well, the, the battle begins this weekend. Man, and just imagine if we added Linus Lundquist right? to the if only. equation. If only that were a possibility. Uh, and then Poet Shevchenko commenting on 
the Pratt Miller Engineering IndyCar entry. First, I thought they were coming in with a chassis. They did do the successful Chevy Arrow kit after all. Another team is good, though. At what point do uh, you know does IndyCar start making it harder, though, for teams to enter? Mm, I made it so easy. Now they're... I think always new blood is better. Um, I'm fine with it. I'm never not going to get excited when I see somebody keep contemplating a potential IndyCar entry, but at the same time, 27th cars is a lot of cars. You start adding HMD, you start adding Pratt Miller and there's no decline anywhere else. Then you're, uh, you're up against 30 or more. And that's just crazy. And we got an email this week. Did from we? Jameson King. So thanks for the email. You can always email us new track record podcast at gmail.com or do it uh, from the website. I'm just talking about Daniel Ricardo. Uh, Daniel Ricardo signing a sign of opportunities for Pillow. Uh, hey gang, long time listener, first time messenger. Is a big fan of Alex Pillow. I paid close attention to your Road America recap conversation on Pillow's future. Thrilled by the bittersweet prospect that he could get a chance in F1. Just curious how you think Daniel Ricardo's signing will impact Pillow's chances with spot at Alpha Towery. Here's my unsolicited take. Leading contenders for that seat include F2 drivers like Lawson and Awasa. Instead of developing a young driver that the team could use longer term, they chose to give Ricardo a chance. Meanwhile, all eyes are now on Perez and his recent qualifying troubles. There are whispers of Ricardo usurping the second Red Bull seat if he's as fast as his tire test suggests. I find it very unlikely that Ricardo continues to race with Alpha Tauri, a developmental team, in 2024. All this to say, there's a good chance Alpha Tauri will save an open seat in 24, and they didn't show interest in filling it with the available F2 prospects. Is this because the driver they have their eye on is busy racing the states through the end of the year? Call me crazy. Or are they setting in motion a Plo 2024 F1 signing? Uh, went on to say, thanks for the fantastic podcast. Hope to see you guys at a race. Uh, so first off, thanks so much for the entry, Jameson. Um, I like a lot of the things you hit on there because I, I do think this is how it's playing out. Does it make sense for Daniel Ricardo to go to Red Bull considering he's already been there? And I know that was a while ago. 2017 was his last year. Uh, I want to say 2018. I I will double check that. But yeah, I, I think mean, you're right. I he went and he got 18. the big money from Renault. It was a failure. Yeah. Um, then he then went to McLaren. Went to McLaren. Did get a win, mm-hmm. mind you. But all in all, it just the car changed and and he fell off a cliff last season. So you're looking. Let's see. Uh, last year with Red Bull was uh yeah 2018. His best finishes with Red Bull over the years, he had two third place finishes in the championship. So, which is really solid. Good. Yeah. He's a solid driver. He can get you, you know, a couple wins. And I think that's what they want from a that's number what two they driver. Want. Max is going to be the top dog. They want Daniel Ricciardo to be a good teammate, maybe get a couple wins, uh, finish second in points would be the goal, at least with the current dominance of Red Bull. And that'd be it. But do they think that they could find somebody else that hasn't been with Red Bull or they like the familiarity that is Daniel Ricardo coming back? I don't know. I, I think the familiarity was having a veteran, a, a guy who you know is going to understand their role within the team. I think that's the big thing is know your role. Is and Daniel Ricardo ready to accept that is what my question would be too. I, I think he is because if he can be back in a top ride, he knows that he could maybe get a, a race win or two and challenge for podiums. And that's probably yeah. enough for him. I would think at this point of the career, especially when you're out of the the sport for a year plus, is you probably value something like that. It's the second best seat in Formula One. 
is the, the second Red Bull seat. So whoever gets it is going to be in a great position. And then he can ride out his career, you know, with yeah. that seat, um, depending on how long he wants to race. I mean, he's not young, right? I mean, he's, he's 34 years old, um, already turned 34 this year. And you're looking at a guy who's got, what, three years, three good years left? I mean, maybe is he a guy, let's say, hypothetically, he moves up to Red Bull, Alex Pelot slots into Alpha Tauri, and then if Alex Pelot performs over a couple years and Daniel Ricciardo is pushed aside or steps aside and and Alex Pelot steps into big Red Bull seat, I think that'd be a perfect scenario for Alex Pelot. No, I, I think that's what Alex Blow is looking for. Give me a chance in a seat. I can prove myself. And look, at this point with, with Alpha, Alpha Towery, if you can score points, you're proving yourself. Um, <laughs> yeah. And that's all it takes. Do they have any points this year yet? They do. Like three or four? It's not many. Um, let's see. Sonoda has two 10th place finishes. That's two points. Two points. That's it. The two points. Not a lot to, to be confident about with that team. However, that's the thing. The expectations are low, so you don't have to do too much to impress. No. So, I, I mean, you look at it that way. If you feel like you're getting equal treatment within the team now, and that's hard when the other driver is Yuki Sonoda, who's essentially the Honda golden boy. Right. But, I mean, Sonoda also has to prove himself eventually, too. Totally. I would agree. Uh, so... Makes a lot of sense for Alex Pelot in that realm, but um, it's a challenging seat for sure. Time to move on to news and notes and continuing uh, with F1 uh, and in IndyCar. So Michael Andretti, we, we talked a little bit about you know him trying to, to get a team. No one is selling. So he went to every team to try to buy and no one's selling because everyone said, well, buy a team. Well, he tried <laughs> that. Yeah. Didn't Nobody's work. selling. So what do you want me to do? So it's it's just very tricky to try to make it work. Uh, also, this note, Red Bull will hold a demonstration show run on Lower Broadway, Nashville this year, Saturday, October 14th with Daniel Ricardo. So that's a couple weeks before the race at Coda in Austin. Initially, you look at, oh my gosh, they're going to race in Nashville, take the, uh, the GP away from IndyCar, but I, I think this is just an exhibition and a fertile ground for motorsports considering the GP, considering how popular the NASCAR races are there. So I think it's just a natural thing. Hey, let's hype up some some excitement for Coda and have this in Nashville. Now so I, I, maybe maybe here's the here's the thing. Is is it potentially drum up excitement for an IndyCar race down Broadway, which we've talked about, and the, the reconfiguration of that race course is does this demonstration help the cause of can IndyCar race down Broadway. I think we can look at that as a positive, hopefully. In one other note, I wanted to get to from our radio morning show that we do daily um, on radio here in Fort Wayne, but uh, someone texting us and it's more of a racing related thing. Slow sports week material for you all. Favorite race discipline, IndyCar, NASCAR, F1. Well, it's obviously IndyCar for us. Uh, Favorite interview, or favorite person you've ever met in racing. So our favorite interview is Tony Kanaan, right? Uh-huh. Yep. Uh, favorite person I've met in racing would probably be Mario Andretti. Yeah. I don't know about you. Uh, favorite person that I've met in racing, probably AJ Foyt. So, wow. Yes. Yeah, so don't have to delve too deep. 
Um, can you arrange an interview for new track record like a Zach Brown or Michael Andre? Um, we could try. I don't think that would get anywhere for that level. Uh, no, from Eric in Fort Wayne. Michael probably a little bit easier than 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 Zach, but we do we do or you do as as well as we can, particularly around May, and we be, we've become an outlet that some have sought out for interviews, which is great. I just don't know we're at the level of uh, you know messaging PR for Andretti and McLaren and going, <laughs> hey, what's Zach doing next Thursday? Yeah, we, we, have we could on. try. What's Michael doing? But hey, if if more people keep listening, come bigger, who knows what could happen. All right. And one other note uh, to get to on news and notes. Roger Penske saying he'd love to see WEC at Indianapolis in the future. Uh, Austin getting the contract to host next year's U.S. round. So we thought that was a possibility, but not not at this point. Stupid coda. Yeah. And then Marshall Pruitt posted this. Um, I'm hearing on a more frequent basis from IndyCar team owners and decision makers, the lack of significant oval training and lights slash Indian XT uh, has changed their views on hiring talent from the series. Mm. I think it's a very good point because they race at what Iowa and gateway. Is it for Indy next? Yes. Um, no high speed. But, I mean, that, that said, there's only two anyway with Texas and Indy. Um, and, and you're not like, I get not doing indie. I definitely get not doing Texas. You, you gotta, you need to have ideally 20 plus cars in the field and they're close to that. Right. But to really make a bigger oval make sense. But here's the thing is who are the drivers that they're being hired instead? Uh, Alex Pillow didn't do many ovals. Did he do any ovals? No. Um, who else? It's coming from overseas. I, I mean, mean former I mean, F1 guys, yeah, you know, I mean, Ericsson, Grosjean, Grosjean um, the guys in F2, Scott like McLaughlin, Marcus Armstrong, Scott McLaughlin in supercars. So, yeah. So that seems like a convenient excuse because you're hiring people outside of Indy next that don't have oval experience. So if it was like, Hey, we're not hiring these Indy next drivers, but we're going out and finding oval specialists and, and, and have a lot of oval experience. That'd be one thing, but there's nobody out there that has oval experience. That you're hiring. So I get it that any next should probably have more ovals, but at the same time, you're not very, you're not racing at very many ovals anyway in IndyCar. Texas is way too big for Indy next. You can argue freedom 100. I get it. I think at the very least you should race at IRP. Do they race at IRP or is no. it the lower formula? No, just the lower. I, th- I would think they should race at IRP. If they return to Milwaukee, they should race there, mm-hmm. but it is, I don't think Indy's the big one. I, really I, I think you need th- at least three oval races. And right now you're looking at two with Iowa and which gateway. The, the, the series only goes to four and it's not doing it at Texas. And Roger Penske doesn't want to do it in Indy. So you're limited to where they can run anyway. Yeah, no, I, and I think that's a challenge. And but like you said, it, it is true that that's an easy excuse to make just because you know, you're only going to race on short ovals anyway. Yeah. You're not racing on bigger ovals. So it's like, oh, we don't like any of those any next guys because they don't have much oval experience. Well, who are you going to go hire? Roman Grosjean. Never been on an oval. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. Marcus Erickson. Yeah, it's like, you know. Marcus Armstrong. Felix Rosenquist. So I don't find that argument holding much water. 
Tweets of the week time, just two to get to. Uh, first from Nick Yeoman in Yeoman on Twitter. Uh, maggots and Beckett's. Sounds like something you should probably consult a doctor about if it doesn't get any better after 24 hours. Those are corners for the British GP at Silverstone. Yeah, they, everything Always, has he, a... He, he said exactly what I was trying to formulate to say about <laughs> those corners because it, it does sound like a health condition. Every corner, every straightaway has a name in Silverstone. And it, it's pretty cool. It's an old uh, air base is what it was. Uh, the Wellington Strait is actually the former runway, one of the former runways. So... It's pretty cool, but yeah, it's uh, it's some 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 English nomenclature for sure. And then, meanwhile, Alexander Rossi DRS is dumb. Now he tweeted this. I'm very positive. Right after Max Verstappen passed a hapless Lando Norris, yes, for the lead in the British GP because Norris couldn't defend. Just imagine how tough F1 races would be to watch without DRS. Yeah. I mean, there's, like, I mean, you think no it's passing. bad now? I mean, yeah. here's the thing. If, if the, uh, I, I don't like that the leader can't defend himself at all. I, yeah. And I think that's kind of his point. But inversely, once you get past, then you have the advantage in that respect in DRS. Yeah. Uh, again, you, his whole point is in IndyCar, you can defend and, in F1, you cannot, if you're the leader. Yeah, I get it. I get that. I get that argument. For sure. With push to pass. All right. Time now for our random split air driver of the week. All right. We're going to the late 90s of the IRL, which is always a fertile ground for random split air drivers of the week. Going with Brian Tyler of Albion, Michigan. That's not too far from here. Yeah, no, not very much. And um, was a back-to-back USAC National Sprint Cup champion. For uh, Larry Contos Racing, 96-97. He then made the jump to uh, the IRL in 98-99. Three, or excuse me, 10 starts for three different teams. And it was Chitwood Motorsports first. And then it was Bird Cunningham Racing, also in 1998. Team Pelfrey in 1998. And then it was Triskelly Team Racing and ISM Racing in 1999. Boy, that guy got around. I have never heard of this guy. I have not heard of Chitwood Motorsports. Any connection to Joey Chitwood? I'm, I'm sure there there is. Truskelly Team Racing? No. <laughs> I've heard of ISM Racing. But he was replaced at Indy and then did not qualify uh, between 98 and 99. Yeah, tried twice to qualify for the 500. Didn't. He was replaced in 98 and did not qualify in 99. Top finish was sixth at... The Las Vegas 500K in 1998. That was his only top 10 of his IRL career. He uh, then raced in NASCAR in the then Bush series in a couple races over the course of 2000 to 2005. Then get a, got into some ARCA racing. Um, but other than that, he was a guy that uh, still races in USAC Silver Crown on occasion. Um, but a guy now 55 years old from Albion, Michigan. It was 10 races, one top 10, that's sixth in Vegas in 1998, the crowning achievement for Brian Tyler. This week's random split era driver of the week. So Brian Tyler, again, he, he took laps from Mike Groff in 98. Yep. On, I want to say pole day uh, before Groff w- was ready, but I don't think he got back in the car. And then in, in 99, 
did not qualify. He's not even showing up on the uh, failed to qualify list. He must not have not even made a run, potentially. Perhaps. Hmm. But that was it. That's it, Mr. Brian Tyler. Another random split error drive of the week that nobody's heard of. Yeah, I, I've never heard of him. All right, well, next week we'll be back to recap the Honda Indy Toronto at Exhibition Place as Indy car goes north of the border for the Peacock-only race of the season I'm sure everyone is thrilled about. Uh, so we'll be, be back next week to take your complaints on that and <laughs> to recap what actually happened on the track. For Justin Kitty, I am Caleb Hatch. This has been New Track Record Podcast. Podcasts by Federated Media.